Welcome, welcome to the D Bronx Podcast, a Denver Broncos podcast for fans by fans. If you want to hear what the experts have to say, you might want to go somewhere else. But if you want to hear the latest news, analysis, and opinions from fellow diehard Bronco fans, you are in the right place. Now, three guys who take Bronco football seriously, but not themselves. Your hosts, Austin, Ian, and Kevin Etheridge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the D-Brogs Podcast. My name's Ian. I'm hosting today for Austin, who could not be with us today, but I am joined by Kevin. And we got some things we got to talk about we tonight about that Monday night football game, don't we? Absolutely, Ian. Um, yes, I'm glad 48 hours have passed. I don't think it would have been a very polite podcast if we did this immediately following the game. No, no, no. It would have been it would have been very terrible. It would have been terrible. It would have been like that gut reaction podcast you get where everybody you just start throwing stuff at the wall. And you're yeah. like, oh, is that just is that just plates busted in the background? Yeah, it it was it was incredibly difficult um, you know, start for uh, Russell Wilson to lose in Seattle and our new head coach who has become a national news story because of uh, clock management and that decision to kick it at the end. But there were some positives as well. So I'll, I'll let you jump into it, uh, Ian. W- w- give me your top of mind thoughts regarding the, that game. Well, <clears throat> first off, I thought Russell Wilson really did move the ball fairly well uh, down the field. Uh, well, sometimes not down the field, laterally to the field and then uh then uh javante williams would run it for you know eight nine yards a lot of screen plays that i wasn't i wasn't really expecting that but hey most of them went for positive yardage a few didn't so um did like the pat did and did not like the pass to jerry judy because it could have been picked off because it was over it was underthrown. jerry judy just happened to see the ball and then run it yep um yep. I thought, I don't know what the defense was doing the first half of that game. Especially that first, that I mean, they made Geno Smith look like Russell Wilson. Very conservative on defense. But but they did turn it around in the second half. Much, much stronger defense in the second yes, half. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. I liked what I saw from Nick, uh, not Nick Chubb, but uh, Bradley Chubb. Yes. Liked what I saw from Bradley Chubb getting after the quarterback. Now we are playing a second-tier quarterback, and, you know. All right, I want to see this against Herbert, Derek Carr, and especially Patrick Mahomes. I want to see it against those guys. But the way Geno Smith was playing, I mean, just get the guy on the ground because apparently this guy was hit not missing anything in the first half. Um, and then other than that, I mean, they just look like they were they just like they just haven't knocked off the rust. It was you know that you, you didn't play any of the preseason games, you know, because ever since uh, what's his name uh, uh, McVeigh did it, now everybody thinks they can't play their starters because they're going to win a Super Bowl. It's when you're putting a bunch of new players together, we're not a bunch of new players. I mean, we're just putting you know putting a new head coach, installing his offense, and then a new quarterback. You might want to, you know, I know everybody's so scared of injuries, but you're playing the game of football. It's going to happen. It's it's either going to happen in preseason or it's going to happen during the game in the regular season. Um, goes back to our conditioning coach problem. But um, I think they should have probably knocked off the rust with some of the starters uh, during the preseason, and I thought it showed fairly well during this game. Yeah, possibly. I, I, th- there's been a lot of debate about, you know, how coaches handle the preseason. Obviously, it's shrunk down to three games over the last several years. There's been a lot of key players go down in preseason games, and I think it just spooked a lot of coaches. And and they see McVeigh, and they see some other teams sit starters, and you know, do fine. In the regular, more than fine, the Rams won the Super Bowl. But, you know, I think in in Hackett's case, after giving this more thought, you know, he's brand new. It's not, you know, if he, if this would have been year three for Hackett, 
and uh, yeah. he had some success. His system was in place. You know, Wilson's on year three in the same system. I think you make make a stronger argument to sit the starters, but being that it's a brand new coaching uh, coaching staff and it's Wilson's first year here, new system they're trying to implement. You know, I think it it, it made a lot of sense, or it would have made a lot of sense to to, to play some of the starters. You know, th- there's always a risk reward um, component to it, but I think in this particular case it would have been worth the risk, you know, i.e. getting someone hurt. Um, because it's more than just playing together. It's just preparing to take the field and everything that goes with it and, you know, um, getting into a rhythm and get a couple series under your belt can do a lot for the camaraderie, for your confidence, buying into the system, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, it seems pretty obvious at this point that, you know, maybe maybe some starters playing – you know, at least a few series during the preseason may indeed have helped us. But um, we'll, see no, what he, I agree. we'll see what he does next year. But overall, I, I got a few thoughts on the game. I mean, first off, you know, very tough place to play. Seattle's always been um, just a uh, incredibly loud stadium. Um, they sell out. Every game, I believe, they got the 12th man going. They got these ridiculous neon green uniforms. Um, and, and the fans were, were jacked. I mean, they, they were into this. They were out for blood. I think the fact that they they were big underdogs at home. Yeah, Seattle hasn't been an underdog at home too often, you know, during the Russell Wilson era for sure. So they're underdogs, and they've got Wilson, you know, the, guy, the quarterback – who I, I believe most fans perceived turned their back on the city and the team. That's how it was sold up there in the media and, and by Pete Carroll, quite frankly. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, so they were out for blood and uh, it was noisy. I think you mentioned before we went on air, Ian, it was the loudest uh, recording uh, in terms of decibels of any NFL stadium. In history or something oh, like that? Not uh, just for their stadium. For their stadium, and, and yeah. okay, and that's, which is like the loudest stadium. It's like them and like Kansas City. Yeah, so it, it was incredibly difficult and challenging uh, first assignment uh, for 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 our team. Um, but I'll start with some 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 general thoughts, and then we can, you know, just just see, see where it goes from here. But you know. Number one, I, I did like the fact that, you know, Wilson demonstrated an ability to effectively demon, uh, uh, distribute the ball. Um, I think he hit seven different receivers, uh, uh, used mm-hmm. his tight end, used his running backs. He needs a little better protection in the pocket, but I like the way he distributed the ball. He was productive, 29 completions for 330 yards uh the red zone offense requires urgent attention and adjustment quite obviously uh three times down within the 10 yard line and we couldn't punch it in um two fumbles of course we can talk a little bit more about that uh seattle is loud but there's just no excuse for the dismal communication it looked like a fire drill practically every time (laughs) we came out of the huddle we didn't seem to be calling plays fast enough we had I lost track of um, delay of game penalties. There had to be at least three. And there were four. Numerous other times where we barely got the snap off. So we we need to work on that because most NFL stadiums can generate a lot of noise. And we've got to play better um, on offense and being able to communicate and, and, and call audibles. Um but it was it, it was pretty sad to see. Um, not a good reflection on the coaching staff. Again, first game. I'm sure they're going to work a lot of this stuff out. The other observation is, uh, you know, Bradley Chubb. Uh, he's fifth year contract year. He's been injured a lot. He had a great first year, rookie year, 12, 12 and a half sacks. Uh, but not a whole lot since then. He came up really big in the second half. Had some pressures, two sacks. Uh, Randy Gregory. Um, I, I love the hustle play where he stripped the uh, the ball. He, he, he created that, that fumble, the only turnover that, that, that we got during the game. And, and I believe we took that turnover in for a touchdown, um, but I'm not certain of that. But I, I just like the hustle 
that Randy Gregory demonstrated on that play. Right. Uh, but in general, the pass rush looked pretty good. Pass protection, on the other hand, uh, needs some consistency because uh, we, you know, we let Geno Smith torches, particularly during the first half. Um, uh, the run defense appeared to be pretty effective. Uh, I don't have any real concerns in this regard. Um, and then, of course, you know, the, the big topic is uh, Nathaniel Hackett, last-minute coaching, pretty darn abysmal, uh, how he managed the clock, um, and then elected to kick the 64-yarder. Instead of putting the ball in Wilson's hands, our new quarterback, nine-time pro bowler who we paid all this money to, on a very convertible fourth and five. I mean, look at our offensive statistics that, that game. I mean, I think we averaged something like um, 6.5 yards per play. You know, an average play gets us a first down. I mean, clearly there's a lot more pressure, you know, in that scenario if it's, if it's uh, you know, one play that you have to convert to potentially win the game. But it just didn't seem to make any sense at all that he would have lined up for a field goal there. Um, so, you know, I'm going to, my, my tendency is to, to want to give Hackett, uh, not a complete pass because I think it was a, it was a really poor decision. Um, but as a first, listen, he, he was calling plays from the sideline. He's never done that. He's always worked from the booth is my understanding. First time head coach, difficult environment, you know, really hostile environment. And potentially there was a little fog of war that set in that maybe clouded his judgment. Um, and he set his field, sent his field goal kicker out there to kick it from 64 when he had, I think, 61 seconds left on the clock um, after the Williams run. And he just let the clock run down and went for the field goal. <clears throat> Mind-numbing. Um, you know, look, oh, it, yeah. it, it, if McManus made the field goal – Maybe we're saying, hey. He's a genius. Man, he knows his kicker. What a gutsy call. But I'd like to believe that even if he made the field goal, I'd be questioning it because I was dumbfounded, as was Peyton Manning, if you watch the Manning podcast, as was the rest of America, (laughs) as was uh, Pete Carroll, who even looked confused on the other sideline. No one saw this coming. What are you doing? Yeah, I think he actually spit out his gum when he saw that. Yeah, yeah, for once. <laughs> um, you don't kick – no one kicks a 60-plus field goal unless it's the last play of the half or the last play of the game. You don't intentionally run the clock out when you have other options, including converting a fourth and five with a all-pro caliber quarterback under center against a defense that has not proven that they could really stop us effectively for most of the no. night. So, um, you know, McManus didn't need much more. I mean, just get him 10 or 15 yards closer. Give him a realistic, been in. Give him a realistic chance. And that, uh, the odds are 80 to 90% he's going to make it from 50 yards or 45 yards. And I think statistics back me up on that. Yep. 64 yards. There's been two field goals in the history of the NFL. Ma- NFL. And, and by the way, the NFL has been around 102 years. And I know the kickers 100 years ago weren't, <laughs> weren't trying them from 60. But, no. but still, there's been two field goals at 64 yards plus. Um, and, and we trot our guy out there from 64. And um, to his credit, it was long enough, you know, but, um, but he didn't make it. So, you know, Hackett um, is uh, under an enormous amount of pressure, at least this week. Uh, you know, we'll see how he weathers the storm. I actually did think he handled himself pretty well in the press conference yesterday. He admitted that he should have, should not have kicked the field goal, that he should have gone for it. But at the same time, he sort of defended the decision. So he didn't come completely clean. He didn't no. show, he didn't show a lot of humility, which would, would have been nice to see. And I think would have engendered, uh, some trust, um, or, or, at the very least, I think it would have um, allowed people to maybe not be quite as harsh, you know, in their judgment of, the, of, of how he handled the end of that game. Now, having said all that, if we come out and, and win the next two or three games or we play well and we win two out of the next three, I think people are going to move on. 
Um, and the final thing I would say just for this segment, um, Ian, is that even though we lost the game, and that was a game we really needed needed to win. That you know, if you look at the schedule, that was a game we we really needed to win. Um, and now it, it really, now we really, you know, this sounds you know, <laughs> like uh, coach speak here, but it just puts a lot more pressure on this Houston game. Now we, we really have to win this one. But, um, but, it, yep. but looking at that team, they just look different I mean, in, in a good way. They look different. It felt different than the Broncos have in three or four years. Even though it was sloppy, a lot of penalties, a lot of things that we need to correct, correct. But most of what I saw is indeed correctable. We were moving the ball. We looked competent on offense. I liked much of the play calling and obviously having a signal caller of Wilson's um, uh, ability um, makes a big difference. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's the one thing we got to clean up is this penalty. Those penalties were brutal. Brutal penalties. I even say we would have like I mean, we had, I know, like, in, like, the first half, it was, like, 71 yards. I think in total, it's over 100. Oh, Bobby, I know. It was, oh, yeah. It yeah. Was Bobby, how about Albert O? He looked pretty good, didn't he? Yeah. He looked pretty good. You know, but the weird thing I thought was is Russell Wilson targeted his tight, his tight ends the entire first quarter. Like, back. Tomlinson, Tomlinson, I don't think he's caught more than seven balls in a season in like five years. And he targeted Williams and running back. I mean, he, he wasn't he wasn't <laughs> looking at the wide receivers, but I actually have a theory. Um, I don't think our wide receivers are core. Um, well, let me put it to you this way. We have some talented receivers. Uh, certainly, you know, Sutton um, and Judy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know about Hamler. I mean, he hasn't really proven much of anything, and he – I don't remember his name being called last night. Um, but I think last night really showed that Tim Patrick's loss is, is a big one. Um, we really need No him. job balls. I mean, the yeah. guy was just Mr. Consistency. But, you know, we, we have we have two receivers um, between Judy and Sutton that I think are at least mid-tier um, in the NFL. I mean, they're quality receivers. Um, but... I don't know if they weren't getting open. I, 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 you know, maybe Russell and and uh, Hackett were just taking what the defense was giving them. They were just going underneath quite a bit. I, w- I will say that it was nice to see um, some of the um, screen passes. We haven't had an effective screen pass game in a long time, but it looked not good. Since, it looked not good since money. Manning. Yep. And that's what I. And that's what I said too. I was like, look at you know, like look at. Look at 2012 when we first got Manning. We started off one and three, and we were already hitting panic with Peyton Manning. We soon forgot about that real quick. Oh yeah, yeah we we, we, <laughs> we yeah we got over that real quick. Yeah, we we definitely did. Um, so you know we got to move on. But if you, but going back to what I said about this week, if you look at our first eight games, so. In my mind, we have four games that we absolutely should win out of the first eight. Seattle, unfortunately, we lost. Houston. um, Better team than Seattle. The Jets and Jacksonville. So Seattle, Houston, the Jets, and Jacksonville. And oh, by the way, Houston, the Jets, and Jacksonville, we play in Denver. So... We yeah. should we should win all four, but we can't because we lost to Seattle, which means between San Francisco, Las Vegas, Indianapolis, and Chargers, four tough games, we need to steal one or two of those because I really do feel that for us to make a good run at the playoffs, we should be six and six and two. Uh, the bye week, week nine, we're already one down. Um, you right. know, five and three at worst. <clears throat> But we've got to beat Houston. And then between San Francisco, Vegas, Indianapolis, and the Chargers, we should win at least two of those. Uh, we sh- if we win two of those and then we beat the Jets in Jacksonville, we'll be five and three. Um, which well, I Vegas think is, is, is Vegas okay. is beatable because Derek Carr is a turnover machine lately. 
even go back into last year, he's a turnover machine. But we'd have to, we got to generate those turnovers. But I think Vegas is a, a beatable team. Yeah, we, we'll see. I mean, I, yeah, we'll see. I, I think, you know, they gave the Chargers uh, a, a good game. Um, Adams is an amazing wide receiver. I think Carr is, is, is a good quarterback. Oh, um, so do I. And um, he, just, he just fumbles all the time. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize he was that much of a turn. And Josh McDaniels, by the way, I think it's going to be a lot better this go round than he was in Denver. There's no doubt he learned a lot from his ex- first head coaching experience. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he's. I hope not, but he could. I hate that guy. So what did you? What were you thinking? At the end of that game, Monday night. I mean, give, give me your sort of, you know, reaction when you, when you saw what they were doing and then with the benefit of 48 hours to think about it. Well, I didn't know at the time. I was like, am I having a stroke right now? Is this <laughs> is this really happening? Uh, yeah, just watching it. I was like, because you got to think about it. Even if they were to, as soon as Williams gets tackled, they time out. Then they go for it, then they go for it, and then they don't get it. Right? So you give it right back to Geno Smith, who's at that time in the third and fourth quarter in the second half, they've only generated 44 yards of total offense in the second half. They weren't going anywhere. You still have three timeouts. or you Well, you got two timeouts three. in Russell Wilson. I think it was three. Wasn't there? Yeah. Well, yeah. If you were if you were to take the time oh, out. Oh, sorry. Well, Correct. I, I guess or you could have just ran the play real quick. I mean, honestly, you really could have just ran the play real quick, and but you would generally want to take the time out, yep. so you'd have two timeouts. Yeah, talk things over. Take the time out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the time out and just stop them, and you know. But um, yeah. When I was watching it, just just go down. I was like, uh, and I'm looking at the clock. I'm looking at the timeouts. I'm looking back at the screen timeouts screen and I'm like something's not 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 adding up here and then I see like I see like Russell Wilson's like thinking about like I, I think Russell Wilson should have just like just timed out himself and be like hey coach sometimes I gotta take the reins here bud or just spike oh he couldn't have spiked the ball because it was fourth <laughs> yeah, we would have spiked the ball that oh oh they would have yeah. they would have crucified everybody on our team yeah oh uh, because you you think Peyton Manning would have sat there no Mm-mm. Peyton Manning would have timed out and ran over there and yelled at the coach. Like, what do you, what, what the hell are you doing, man? Like, seriously, we got we got to run a play, like, now. We're not going to trot out McManus for a 64-yarder at sea level. Well, let me ask you this. At 64-yarder, we both agree, uh, bad decision to ask the guy to kick a 64-yarder when all we needed was five five yards on the fourth down. The odds, uh, much better that we're going to convert on fourth than hit a 64-yard field goal. At what distance would you have felt that kicking the field goal in that situation would have been the right call as opposed to going for it on fourth? 55 would have been fine. You think send them out at 55 yards. Don't try to convert it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, we've we've watched McManus hit fifty five, which is like like it's, it's no big deal. At fifty five, I th- I think you have a decision. You know, I, th- I think yeah, yeah, I you think got- you you at least have a decision. Or you call a timeout. You get together with the offensive coordinator. You get together with Wilson. What do we have right here? Um, and then you make a decision. You're either going to go for it or kick it. I think if if it's fifty yards or less, it's an automatic. You send McManus out there. 55, I think it's a decision. It could go either way. But at 64, there's only one way it could go. You you go for it. You don't kick it from 64 yards. Never. No, you are you still have three timeouts. In in what? In a in a minute, you know how many plays you can you could if you make it. We have four just, we have four new downs and two two timeouts to go. Exactly. You you march it down as far as you can go, and then you kick it. 
Yeah, it, I it, mean, it is puzzling. It is a real head-scratcher. Um, like, how does every Monday morning armchair quarterback know that? Yeah. But our coach doesn't. Like, I was like, well, I mean, like, well, I mean, like, I mean, like, did he just look at his play, like that, that, that laminated play sheet that's stiff, just like. Well, yeah, I know. If, 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 see if, this scenario going on. If you want to be kind to hack it, you could say, <laughs> you could say, well, he, he showed a lot of confidence in McManus. But if, if you accept that and say, okay, he, yeah, he did show a lot of confidence. It turned out it was misplaced confidence. But if he's showing confidence in McManus, isn't he at the same time showing a lack of confidence in Wilson? Well, yeah, of course it is. It's like saying, like, it's like knowing you have bad breaks, but you blow through a, a red light and then you get head on. You're like, well, I had confidence in my breaks. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I had confidence in my breaks. I know the guy can't kick a 64 yarder at sea level, but hey, you know what? I had confidence in him. And I think that's, and I think it's a good point with Russell Wilson is because. That's the reason why he wanted to get. I think one of the reasons why he wanted to get out of Seattle is because it's like, look, I could do this. I've got so many, uh, like comeback wins, like under my belt. I think it was a, I think he was second behind Matt Stafford. Um, well, yeah, one of the winning winningest. True. Yeah. He's only his second winningest uh, quarterback in his first ten years behind Peyton Manning. Go figure. Um, and, and I kind of feel bad for Russell Wilson because it's like, you remember the Super Bowl that they lost, they were like, Hey, you should have taken the football out of his hands and given it to beast mode. They would have won the Super Bowl. And at this time they're like, we, we, we should have put the ball in his hands, but we didn't. Absolutely. Now I want to take everyone back to when we hired Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett. And he had his press conference, first press conference in Denver. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching that, and um, he was giddy. He was like a little boy on Christmas morning. He was enthusiastic. He was bouncing off the walls. Um, he, what he talked about, he loved Star Wars and I know, some of his favorite bands. And, you know, it, he was fun. He came across as incredibly likable. But I will say this about myself. I think I have at least average intelligence. Some may argue that. But I will say mm-hmm. that I probably have above average emotional intelligence, meaning that I'm pretty good at reading people. And, right. and when I saw him at that press conference, and I think we talked about it at the time. I, I oh, yeah, we did. I thought his demeanor um wasn't a bit childish wasn't didn't in my mind it wasn't completely appropriate for a head coach a, a leader of a professional football team um the moment appeared to be too big for him um i, I didn't i thought there was a lack of seriousness um and i just had question marks in terms of how he carried himself now i kind of dismissed him because it was his first press conference and I recognize that I think he has rarefied football IQ I mean he's you know well credentialed great resume I think he is probably is you know one of the top tier offensive minded coaches out there but I, I just didn't see the leadership I didn't see someone that I would run through a brick wall for if he was my boss um, and he's a hugger and he's a, he's like a big teddy bear in a lot of ways. Now they call that, they call that a player's coach, player's coach. Now, listen, <laughs> I'm older than probably a lot of our listeners, but I really like the serious minded, no nonsense coaches. Uh, and, and there's a long list of them that have been incredibly successful with that approach. Uh, you know, highly disciplined people. Now they're, they're players coaches. It's, it's a new era. And people argue that, hey, you need to have a player's coach with with a modern athlete. But but I would flip that and flip that script and say, look, maybe that's what the players uh, want. But I don't think it's really what they need. 
Um, no, so, not so, at all. So we'll see about Hackett. But, you know, all my concerns going back to that original press conference really came to pass Monday night because I think the moment arguably was a little too big for him. I mean, he that team was scattershot, um, appeared disorganized. I mean, yes, I've got a lot of problems with the decision to kick the field goal. But I think that's a symptom of a bigger issue, um, a lack of organization, a lack of discipline, a lack of structure. Um, now, that's either because he's got a brand-new coaching staff and he's a rookie head coach, and it takes time. And it does take time. And I do think we need to give him time to pull it together. But there were a lot of red flags there that concerned me. Um, so it, it, he has a lot of pressure on him. He's got a national spotlight right now, uh, largely because of what happened at the end of that game Monday night. So this is a real test of his mettle. And, you know, they say that discomfort promotes growth, Right. So he, right. he should not be feeling incredibly comfortable right now after the no, reviews no. he's getting from that Monday night. So we're gonna, this is a test of his character, his resolve, and let's see if he can turn this around. Um, I'll finish by saying this, just on Hackett. Again, I saw a lot of things I liked Monday night. I saw an offense that worked. I saw some halftime adjustments on defense that worked. I think we have a talented roster. Um, and I believe he will grow from this. And it may mean that he will look at the mirror and decide he needs to modify some things he's doing. I hope so. That's part of you know growing into a new role. You're kind of reinvent, reinventing yourself all the time and looking for ways to improve and, and ways to better connect with your team. Um, and ways to become a better leader. So, you know, I'd like to hear what, uh, you know, Rob Walton and uh, the new ownership group, <laughs> new ownership group were thinking at the end of that game. Maybe, you know, um, I don't think uh, the Walton folks uh, um, probably were too happy. No, I mean, they probably weren't. And I, you know, and I think about, like, with Coach Hackett, and I'm like, remember – Maybe this is just one of those, you know, the first. I mean, because you got to think that that first game is a kind of a brutal one. I mean, you go into a place it sounds like it's the Super Bowl. I mean, it literally sounded like it was the Super Bowl. How much they just dislike Russell Wilson. Oh, that. it wasn't even a smattering of cheering. It was like a hundred percent booing. I was like, yeah, I was like, did he kill one of the other players on the <laughs> no. team? Like, what happened? Like, God, I was like, I'm pretty sure he brought you to two Super Bowls in one year, your first one that you've ever had in this. I think, what is that, your only championship in the entire city in any sport? Probably the only one they, they'll have for decades to come. Probably. Yeah, I think I think those I think those fans are gonna calm down next week when they're not playing Russell Wilson and things go back to reality. Hey, but do, do, um, you, do you think Wilson expected that, and, and do you think it affected him at all? I, I think it would. Ha- I mean, I think it had to have. I would think so. Him a I, little I, bit. I, I a would little think bit. if I, I if yeah. I would, if I was in if I was running that team for ten years, and then like I was like, you know what, this is not working out. You know, it's like I'm not. That's like you know like. It's like, you know, like breaking up with a girlfriend and you go to a party that she's at and you just walk in there, everybody boos you. And you're like, well, it's not all my fault. (laughs) (laughs) She's insane too, Pete Carroll. You know, like it's, it's one of the, it's one of those scenarios where they, I honestly, I feel like they chose the the wrong person. I think I would have got Carroll out of there and, and would have kept Russell Wilson because you could find a coach to, coach you can find a coach to play around with russell wilson better than pete carroll did because this seems like this is a this is a relationship that's been dying out for a long time um 
But I probably did. I mean, it would probably affect it. If, if somebody goes in there and is like, dude, it didn't affect me at all. I'm like, all right, you're all right. I get it. You're hard. It's no, it affect. It had to affect you a little bit. He played he well. Think, I mean, he, he, so. he 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 did play well. And he put well, up 340 but... yards, and he didn't turn the ball over himself. No. no. He only had one touchdown, but, you know, this is game one. They didn't – they had no dress rehearsal, no – they had anything. Speaking, so, of, hey, speaking of turnovers, what did you think about the two fumbles at the goal line? Javante Williams had one, and, and, and Melvin and Gordon had one. Well, Gordon doesn't surprise me because that's what he's known for. Um, I don't know that Javante Williams. It looks like it just like fell out of his hand and he like kind of kicked it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I was just like, what? Because because I mean, I was more dumbfounded than anything. Because I'm like, all right, all right. Melvin Gordon does what he does. He can run between the twenties, but once he gets in that red zone, you know that thing will just pop out of his hands. I mean, I was still mad, but I was like, you know, nine times out of ten, Melvin Gordon is not going to fumble the ball. He just tends to fumble it when you don't want him to, like, in the red zone. And then Javante Williams, like, back-to-back, it was like back-to-back red zone attempts. I'm like, all right, what kind of hellscape are we in right now? Like, what's going on? Like, I, and, uh, you know, and I didn't, like, I, I, I looked at my dad and I was like, uh. Uh, we're both screaming at the screen. I mean, like, like they can hear us, you know, like, you know, I'm like, I'm like, oh, how do you not hold on to the ball twice in a row? Like, but I mean, like, that's, that's your one job. That is true. But, but, but you, listen, I got to defend Gordon. It was fourth and goal. So <laughs> he was just doing everything he could to get the ball over the goal line, because if he doesn't, we're turning the ball over on downs anyway. It's not even a real fumble in my mind. So, I mean, he 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 had to well, reach. It was fourth down. Uh, it was well. When you put it that way, yeah, it makes it a little bit more sense. Yeah, fourth. Yeah, four. Yeah, because either way, if you don't make it, we turn, we're giving a ball. It's over. basically in the same area. Yeah. Now it turned out it cost us ten yards because the ball was kicked and run back a little bit, but. In my mind, it was it's technically a fumble, but you understand he he did exactly what he was supposed to do there. He needed to get that ball on the goal line, and it was knocked loose. If that happened on second or third down, then that's a different story. That that's a horrible play. Um, so you know, I feel like you know Gordon people dump on him instantly, but they forget the situation. It was fourth down. Uh, and by the way, just look at some statistics. Gordon has fumbled the ball 22 times. He's had over 1,500 carries. So he's not exactly a fumbling machine. Uh, Walter Payton no. Walter Payton fumbled 86 times. Emmett Smith, hmm. 81 times. Barry Sanders, 44 times. Ezekiel Elliott has fumbled the same number of times, 22. Now, I, you know, when it's your guy... You know, it hurts a little bit more. And I will say this, Gordon does seem to fumble at the most inopportune times when he does put the ball on the ground. But I think that's he, the problem, yeah. That, that's probably the issue more than just the sheer quantity of fumbles. But I, but I will defend him on Monday night. Now, I'd also defend Williams to a degree, although he, his fumble is slightly – well, it's not slightly – More egregious? Yeah, it, yeah it's, it's far more egregious because he, he let the ball get knocked out of his hands. Um, but there were some extenuating circumstances, which I had heard on a podcast or I read, but we were in the shotgun, um, uh, just like both fumbles, we were running out of the shotgun. A lot of people question that, um, that we should have been under I center. So the, so the running back can get a real head of steam going. Um, but what happened on Williams fumble is Glasgow who, who couldn't hear the audible. He just didn't hear the audible. So when when Wilson called the play, it was a pass play. He audibled at the line of scrimmage. Glasgow didn't hear. He was in pass protection. So he immediately got blew up and, and knocked back into Williams and hit Williams along with the Seattle defender, which popped the ball loose. That's how that fumble happened. So credit wow. credit the Seattle 
Um, you know, you know, pe- people, you know, fans want to believe that they um, can influence the outcome of a game. Well, there's an mm-hmm. example where the fans actually did, because the fans arguably won the game. I mean, just on that one play alone, they, they took seven points off the board for Denver. Oh, they would have won the game, yeah. Yeah. Twelfth man, twelfth man who they stole from Texas A and M. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, so I, in my mind, we really fumbled once on the goal line. I don't think the Gordon, the Gordon, we were turning the ball over on downs anyway. So that one, in my mind. It was a turnover. It just happened to be a fumble. Um, the only real fumble we had was, was Williams, and that was a result of uh, the Seattle crowd. Give them credit. Uh, I, let's hope. Let's hope the Bronco fans took note and come out and and really raise. Well, we don't have a roof, but you know, figuratively raise Ra- the raise roof. Raise the sky, dude. Raise yeah. the sky. I mean, we got to do something. I mean, and you got to think. Like, look, look, look at Hackett. Look at Hackett. Look at Hackett. How he started last year. Look at how Hackett. How the Green Bay Packers started off last year. Way worse than the Broncos. I hear that a lot, but you know we do not have Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback. But still, I take your point. Well, no, no. I'm just talking about the first game. They lost 38 to three, and they had Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Williams. Yep, they came back. Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. My fault. You know, the injury bug is already starting. To bite us, you know, we we, yeah. we lost Tim Patrick before the season started. Now Simmons is going to be out four games. Uh, our guard, what's his name? I can't pronounce it. Remes or uh, our guard's going to be out for a while. Who who? What guard went down? About the gut. Uh, yeah, the gut. gut. The gut guy. The gut went down. Yeah, the gut went down. I think he's out for a few weeks. Um, and then yeah, uh, I'm missing one or two other injuries. But Isang Bassi's going to he came in to take over. Not. For safety, but took the spot because they put Simmons on short time IR. But but we have a good backup safety. The guy we drafted out of Texas, um, it was the Stearns, um, Caden Stearns. Yeah, so so Stearns, um, yeah. Stearns yeah, will Caden take Stearns over, right? So yep. he, he's think, in yeah, his Stearns. Yeah, second year, he was fifth-round draft pick out of Texas last year, and I've heard a lot of good things about him. We've got P.J. Locke backing up Stearns. Uh, you know, <laughs> Stearns is replacing a pro bowler in Simmons, you know, one of the top safeties in the league. That's a tall order. But um, I, I, we could do – I feel like he can do it, though. I feel like he can do it. Yeah, and we got Jackson back there. I mean, you know, veteran leadership I'm sure will help Stearns. Those two have got to work really well together in terms of communication. Um, and, and it just means, you know, it just brings a lot more focus on making sure we're getting a push and getting a consistent pass rush so we don't put so much pressure on the back end. And like I said, I, I did, especially the second half, did like the pass rush. I thought it was good, both Gregory and and uh, Bradley Chubb. thought they did pretty good, a pretty good job, especially Bradley Chubb did a really good job. Yeah, he did. I mean, the, the guy has a lot of motivation, right? I mean, uh, uh, an all-pro level edge rusher, what are they worth on an annual basis? I mean, if he doesn't do it, this, they might not pick up his – if he doesn't go nuts this year, they might not pick up his fifth-year option. Well, that's 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 the point I'm making. But, but if he does go nuts, then that puts a lot of pressure on the Broncos to make a decision – because what what's he you know if he gets 10 12 14 sacks this year on the open market isn't he going to make 20 million a year easy maybe i don't know 15 20 million plus you got to look yeah i mean you got to look what well he's got a way bigger resume you got to look what von miller got and what von miller did on thursday night football yeah i i i, I should check my uh my numbers there, I, I, but I think the edge rushers are getting crazy. Uh, well, yeah, I mean they are getting. Salaries. I mean they're getting like they're getting like wide receiver money, and I mean thank God we got a semi team friendly deal with Russell Wilson. We're not, you know, we're not the Chiefs. Even though it doesn't really matter with the Chiefs. I mean you could put cardboard people out there, and somehow Mahomes will throw touchdowns to it. Tom Holmes had five 
TDs against the Cardinals in Arizona. They, that and he lost. Um, and he uh, thought he was going to regress without Tyreek Hill. Yeah, Tyreek Hill. <laughs> he, 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 he's Hold my beer. <laughs> listen, you got to put him in the same stratosphere with Brady, Manning, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's certain quarterbacks. It almost doesn't matter who's playing wide receiver. They, they they find the open guy and they just keep moving. It's 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 insane. Anytime you even even sniff anything about like Patrick Mahomes, like oh, do you know? I think you know. It's you know he lost his top wideout. I don't think it matters to him. It's next man up, <laughs> and he proves it every time. So yeah, yeah, he's and he, unfortunately he's in our division with Justin oh, Herbert. Get, is it Justin? Yeah, Justin Herbert. Probably look great again. The two great again. The two best young quarterbacks in the NFL, both in our division. So we had to get Russell Wilson. And listen, we can win the division with Russell Wilson. Um, I really believe that, even up against fantastic quarterbacks like that. Because it is a team sport, and, and Wilson's proven that he can lead, you know, a team to a Super Bowl. Um, yeah, because so. Wilson was that guy at one point. Yep. Yeah, he was. I mean, I mean, I mean, still, I mean, he's only thirty-three. I mean, look how old these quarterbacks now are playing up till. That is true. Um, although I would have liked to have seen Wilson, you know, tuck the ball under his arm and and run more than he did last night. Because uh, he was fun to watch when he was running more, but I think he's you you know he's probably playing it smart at his age and and, and somebody mentioned on it might have been Manning or because I was switching back and forth from the kind of main uh, broadcast to the Manning cast, but somebody said that you know w- people look at Wilson as if he's a running quarterback. He really isn't. He, he no, is no, a, he's, he's a he pocket, can scramble. Yeah, he's a pocket QB who is always looking to throw first and then runs when everything else breaks down. But he can run. He's a good runner, but he's he's certainly not Lamar Jackson. No, yeah, he scrambles to get away from the away from the player, the away from the defender, but he but he doesn't really cross the uh line of scrimmage. And listen, we want him to play that way cuz we have him for 7 years. We want him to last until he's 40. And continue to play at a high level. Yeah, exactly. Mr. Unlimited. We want him to be unlimited for seven years at least. But speaking of Wilson, is it just me or... Uh, you're already a little bit tired of the... What is that? Let's... Let's ride? Let's ride. I mean, please. It just seems so contrived. I don't even get it. What is this let's ride... Can we move off from it? It just seems so amateurish. I don't know. I'm I'm not well, into it's, the it's ride. Because, Well, I'm not either. But that's because what that's what he did with the Seahawks. He so he brought that with him from Seattle. Oh yeah, it was it, it was a let's fly. Let's fly. Okay. Let's ride because now it's he's got a horse on his helmet. Now it's a horse. Yeah. All right. I mean, listen. I'm I'm not laying lying awake at night, you know, you know, sort of um, stressing over it. But I, I, it just never clicked with me. You know, you know, it was so funny. You know, talking about the Seattle Seahawks. Did you see what Geno Smith said after when they, you know, because everybody's you know hyped up. Oh, just beat the Broncos. Like eighty percent of people thought they were going to lose that game, and they run up to Geno Smith and they jam the microphone in his face and they're like how do you feel and you know of course he says you know he's like everybody wrote me off but i didn't write them back oh he had that in the can oh come on <laughs> yeah that is and I'm bad like, yeah you're not gonna write you back i didn't write them back they wrote Ooh. you off eight years ago dude they wrote you out and then shelby harris was just clowning the broncos they came up to Shelby Harris and he's like, "This is what happens when you trade, trade me." And he went and he said a couple other things I don't remember. And he was just like, "Yeah, Broncos country, let's ride." And I'm like, oh, "He was just God. mocking." Oh yeah, yeah, he's just not our fault. 
Hey, if you want to get mad at anybody, get mad at Peyton. Not my fault. I didn't. I didn't trade you. I actually liked you. I was. You're actually the piece that I wanted to keep. <laughs> I didn't hear his name called. I'll tell you another name I didn't hear much of. Noah Fant. Noah Fant had three catches for like 16 yards. And Albert O. I know we talked about him briefly earlier. But that one play where he just extra effort stretched out, made that first down. Remember they came out with the the change and I mean oh yeah, it was just like a fraction of a fraction of an inch. They, they they made that first down thanks to his extra effort. I never saw that out of Fant. No, no, because as soon as you know, as soon as Fant uh, caught the ball, he hit the ground. He hit the ground. I, I'm warming, said, I'm warming I up to he, Fant. I mean, to Alberto. I definitely am. I remember him coming out and saying that that was part of the that was part of the Pat Shermer game plan. Was like just catch the ball and fall down. I'm like, why? The guy's a, a rare specimen as a tight end. Yeah, I know. By the way, I, be, I thought of somebody. We haven't mentioned his name, and nor should we ever again. But Vic Fangio. If he was watching that game last night, you think he uh, went to bed with a smile? I don't think that guy ever smiles. <laughs> well, like, if he was capable, I think he went to bed with a smile. It's like, it's like, it's like asking Bill Belichick to smile. The guy wins the Super Bowl, and you're like, ah, oh, it's coming. Yeah, 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 we're on to the preseason. <laughs> yeah, 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 we're on to the preseason. <laughs> I'm on to the draft. Get this, get this Lombardi trophy out of my face. Yeah, he might have a long year ahead of him. Uh, when they lose, oh, he, yeah, he didn't look good again. I mean, that's what it, well, again, that is his kryptonite, Miami Dolphins. That is true. Strange. Yeah, I never understood that. I understand why Brady and Belichick couldn't beat him. Didn't matter who they had playing for him. Well, no quarterback. Part part of it might just be you know you got a northern team, New England, heading down to Miami. I mean, gosh, I mean playing down there in September is brutal, man. It's so hot and humid. So so maybe the weather has been part. I'd I'd have to look at the series. I mean, how many of those games did did he lose in Miami versus up in New England? Oh, you want to hear a funny story about that game? The Patriots versus the Dolphins. So, you know how, you know, people people start arriving at the stadium around 7 o'clock in the morning, you know, get, you know, start to tailgate, get the burgers ready for the game at 1, you know. Yep. And, then, you know, doing all that stuff. And, you know, probably about an hour before the game starts, they start, you know, putting their stuff away and wandering in there, you know. They're already blackout drunk. And, uh, Blackout drunk. Wow. They started seven. They started seven. They're playing cornhole. Yeah. You know, they're throwing the football around. They've had two steaks, five burgers, thirty beers. You know, they're, you know, they're, those are the people that started the fights in the in the crowd. And so this, so they're putting away. They're putting away their all their, uh, all their equipment. You know, and uh, you know, so it's hundred and five degrees out on Sunday. And so one of the guys takes his grill and slides it underneath his car, not knowing that all the coals oh, no. were completely oh, out yet. No. So those so those coals catch fire, right? It sets his car on fire. So this is the middle of the game. This is the this is the middle of the game. Sets his car on fire, which sets 11 cars around him on fire, too. They all blow up, and somebody thought it was a terrorist attack. I mean, that is an unbelievable story. It reminds me of you know <laughs> Charles, Charles Darwin and Darwinism and natural selection. I mean, <laughs> you got some people. It is the Darwin Awards. <laughs> I wish there was like one person in one of those cars. That's how he died. That's be insane. Story. <laughs> so, uh, so on. Speaking of uh, Bill Belichick, how about on to Houston? If you if you have any thoughts about the upcoming game against the Texans, 
Ooh. So we're playing statistically a better team, a better court, definitely a better quarterback than Davis Mills. Uh, wouldn't say better. Uh, I'd say, I'd say their wide receiver group is probably about as good. The Seattle's with Brandon Cooks, uh, running backs. They mm, got Burkhead Pierce. So I think I'm pretty sure we can stop both of those guys. Um, defense is okay. I don't know. Davis Mills seems to like pull out some. He pulls out. That guy could throw a deep ball real well, like almost Russell Wilson type deep balls. Um, but we have to win that. I mean, I got. I got to think now. I mean, their practice, the the Denver Broncos practices have got to be like super intense. Like, like we're we're not getting embarrassed like that again. That's not. Yeah, because I mean, you if you look at that schedule, I mean, these first two games should have been just gimmies. So if the first one wasn't a gimme, Texans aren't going to give me a gimme either. But it is at home. So it's really the first time anybody gets to see Russell Wilson there. I think it's going to be a better vibe than uh, going into that, you know, that hellhole that was in Seattle. Because I don't think it's going to be that violent. So I think... I think we win. I I know we I, we have to win this game. It's not a will we win. It's a have to win this game. You got a prediction score? I'm gonna say our offense clicks a little bit better. I think they clean up the fumbles. So I'm gonna take almost what the score would have been. I'm gonna say we score 31, 31 to fourteen. Yeah. Okay. So I like that uh, analysis and the prediction on the score. You know, when I first saw the line, it was nine and a half, which I think is where it sits today. It's nine or ten points. So, you know, a lot of people, you know, people that are are paid to set lines, and they're very good at it, (laughs) um, you know, clearly feel the Broncos have a, you know, superior team. Uh, to the Texans, and and I agree. Uh, you know, they're going to Broncos are going to be playing at home. Uh, that is going to be huge. Uh, it's not going to be nearly the same type of emotional test that we had up there in in Seattle. I uh, you know, in Seattle, I don't think is going to be a playoff team. You know, I I think into the season, you know, we're probably looking at a team that's five and twelve. You know, maybe at best they win six games, but unfortunately, unfortunately, we caught we caught Seattle week one. You know, week one they don't know they're a bad team, they don't know it yet. So they came out there firing on all cylinders, they, and they had the crowd behind them. Up. That was a very very tough place to play to open the season in Seattle, and um, I. You know, if you go back and listen to last week's podcast, I thought we'd win, but I thought it'd be very close. I was uneasy with that game, and, and I certainly didn't agree with the six, six-and-a-half-point spread. Look, I'm talking about spreads like I'm a gambler. I, I don't I don't gamble. <laughs> but um, but it's interesting to look at, look at the spread sometime. And um, so, you know, I think Seattle will, will come back down to earth, and I think uh, – you know their 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 quarterback Geno Smith, who who hasn't been answering people, um, will will probably show up without many answers the rest of the season either. But Texans, yes, I think the Texans will probably end up being a better team than the Seahawks. But unfortunately for the Texans, they're they're coming to Denver. I think our crowd is going to be jacked, especially after what happened Monday night. They're going to bring the heat, and we've always had a tremendous home field advantage we lost oh, it yeah. we lost home field advantage under Fangio uh, and Joseph yeah, but for for, sure for how many years now 50 years prior to Joseph and Fangio we had by far the best home field advantage in the NFL and oh, it, yeah. it's time to get that back with a statement game and I really do believe this weekend against Texas It'll be a bit of a statement game with, you know, a 34 to 14 or something similar to whatever the number you said, you know, 37 to 
20. or I, I think we beat them by at least two touchdowns. I think we look good in the process. I think you're going to see a team that appears to be more cohesive. It's amazing how much better you can look on offense when the crowd is respectfully silent when you're calling audibles at the line of scrimmage. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I got a feeling about Hackett. You know, when I talked about – you know, his demeanor and, and, and my perception of him going back to his initial press, press conference. I, I do believe he's a high-character guy. I think he's got a strong motor. Uh, I believe he yeah. is an offensive savant. I really believe the guy is off the charts mm-hmm. in terms of his offensive IQ and probably general football IQ. Um, and we have a lot of talent. And, and we have a good office, a good, good, a good front office, good GM, good fan base, great new ownership in. There's ownership group in. We just have too many positives working for us. And we have an all-pro exactly. all quarterback. So I think we light it up. I think we bounce back in a big way. I think we win. My, my best guess would be I think we, we do at least 30 points. I'm going to say 34 to – I'll go 34 to 17. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I said 31, 14. So that's about yeah, the same. That's same. Same spread. About the same. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. I just think, yeah, I think we're just going to go out there. I mean, there's, I think, I think the team's just going to be mad that they sort of got embarrassed in national TV, even though they didn't get really embarrassed because it was only a one point game and we should have beat them by two touchdowns. If not more, um, I think they're going to come back at home and be like, "All right, this is not. Forget about that game. That don't don't worry about that one. That was an oops. We're gonna we're gonna write the script straight. We're gonna rescript it. So uh, I think it's gonna. But I'm still waiting for us to have like that um, that first. Um, even though apparently that was a challenge, uh, I'm waiting for our first challenge, which is gonna be week three. Oh, the 49ers. Yeah. We, hey, listen, we can't look ahead, but but we're not coaches. We can look ahead. We're just fans. But, yeah, the 49ers game will be fun. You know, we've got Shanahan. <clears throat> Fortunately, they're coming into Denver, and that's going to help us a lot. Shanahan, of course, the Kyle Shanahan, the coach of the 49ers, is from uh, Denver, uh, where, his dad, oh, yeah. where his dad was famously coaching uh, the Broncos in the 80s and um, – for the better part of the late eighties and, uh, into, uh, what, 2006, I think seven, um, very long time, long history, uh, our greatest coach and hopefully a future hall of fame coach. And, um, you know, if you've heard, uh, if you're a Broncos fan, there's two things that took place over the last, uh, five or six years that are incredibly painful. And there's been a lot of pain over the last five or six years. But the a two lot. things that caused me the most amount of pain was the fact that we didn't hire Kyle Shanahan Yep. when he wanted the job, and we hired uh, Vance, Vance Joseph. Joseph. Yeah. Oh, man. I will, that's, that's a tough one. That one that's still a tough stings. One. That one still hurts. That one still stings. <laughs> and the other one, if that doesn't depress you enough, we had the chance to draft Josh Allen when we had no quarterback on the roster. And instead, we took Bradley Chubb with the fifth, fifth overall pick, 2018. Look this up. Seventh pick went Buffalo Bills grab Josh Allen. How different would this team look? And by the way, if we had hired Kyle Shanahan when we, hired, when we had the chance to, I guess we wouldn't have been in position to draft Josh Allen because we wouldn't have had the fifth overall pick. But anyway, uh, those two things still hurt. I like Kyle Shanahan. I think he's probably – I don't think he's probably. I think he is one of the top three or four head coaches in the NFL. I do believe that he – I do believe that he um, possibly made a significant error in um, valuing uh, Trey Lance as much as he did. I mean, I can't quite remember what he gave up to move up in the draft. But it oh, was, it was a ton. It was so much. And um, the early returns have not been positive. Uh, we shall see. Um, um, see how see how things go for, for, for Trey. 
But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the 49ers game, I'm sure, next podcast. Oh, for sure. Oh, for sure. So we got anything else to talk about or just about done on this one? I think so. Um, yeah, I, th- I think I think we put the Seattle game behind us. Ian, are you ready to do that? Yeah, I still got a couple of days till Sunday. So nothing like you know, a victory to help you put bad memories yeah. and bad losses I'll, I'll, in the I'll, rear I'll view. Stew th- I'll stew for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and then I'll probably get over at about four twenty-five. Eastern time on Sunday. And you've got your uh, your dad in town, my uncle. Um, yeah. We got He'll be here to watch the game. A He'll guy be who has been game. following the Broncos as long as I – well, yeah, probably almost as long as I have. He goes way back. I know he's been a little disenfranchised of late, but he's still, he's still a fan, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was just as, uh, he was just as irritated as I was. Well, good to hear. All right, so um, I guess this is it for the podcast. All right, All right. close Deep it up Bronx for us. Con- All right, Deep Bronx Country. We will talk to you next week, hopefully following a win. Kevin, have a good night. Austin, we'll see you next week, and everybody have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Deep Bronx Podcast. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you are at it, help us out by leaving a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts.